Hello, good people of God, my good brothers and sisters of Foundation Church. Um, it has been a wonderful week. This is the week uh, leading up into Christmas, and I have been thinking about something, and I thought this might be an aid to you and to your family and to several of the people at our church who have been thinking about it. So this podcast is about the practice of the Sabbath. We're right now working on uh, several questions in the Westminster Larger Catechism about the proper way to practice the Sabbath. And in doing that, some very interesting questions have come up from others, from uh, people in my own family, people in the church, and actually even in myself. I've visited this issue many times in my life, um, and it's always a blessing to relook at it and re examine it so that uh, we know that we are practicing the Sabbath properly according to our uh, convictions that should be cultivated and developed by the Word of God. So there are several kind of things, and I hope that my uh, way of dealing with things sometimes is not very linear and very orderly, but uh, because my mind works a little bit different than a lot of folks. So I hope that the way that I go through this Uh, will be helpful. Normally when I do podcasts, I'm kind of talking off the top of my head uh, and from my heart about issues. I'm not trying to teach a detailed study, Uh, but there were some very important things I wanted to cover, and so I took the time to write some of these things down. And if it would prove useful to you and your family as you are considering these things, uh, please let me know and I'll forward to you uh, the document that that I have uh, written up. Yep, it's Monday and it's my day off, but I just could not help myself um, and I wanted to do this for you, so I hope it's a blessing. First item for discussion here, since what has sparked this has been our uh, learning of the 60 and 61 of the catechism, the large catechism, these questions. I wanted to go over, first off, uh, the importance of the Westminster Standards, what they are, why they're important, and kind of lay that groundwork so that I then can go on to the next question. Some of you in our church may not even know that our church is governed by this thing called the Westminster Standards, and it's not really a thing. It's a collection of documents written by what people call the Westminster Divines. They were a group of men, um, not, uh, well, during the Reformation, but kind of towards the end of it, uh, who wrote up these very wonderful statements of faith, like the Westminster Confession of Faith. But in addition, they wrote the Westminster Shorter Catechism and the Westminster Larger Catechism, And these three documents and some others make up what are called the Westminster Standards. Now, the reason why they're important to you is that the Westminster Standards are the governing documents for Foundation Church. They're also the governing documents of the denomination that we are part of, the Covenant Presbyterian Church denomination. So it's kind of like the Constitution of the United States is, you know, when you go to court, Uh, maybe you're going to court, federal court, it would be the Constitution of the United States that would govern whatever happens in that court. 
And if you were being tried in the state of Ohio, it would be the laws of the state of Ohio. That's why they will have a court case. It's usually the state of Ohio versus Mark Robinette. So when they say the state of Ohio, they mean the laws of the state of Ohio. And the ruling, the, the, the laws that govern us are the Westminster Standards. Now, what's important is for you to understand that the Westminster Standards, although they are our governing documents, um, it's not exactly like you know going to court at the federal level or the state level. It's not like they are binding on us in the same way. Our own constitution of our denomination tells us that the Westminster Standards are very important, but if we feel that they contradict Scripture... Obviously, Scripture is our primary governing document. There's nothing that supersedes Scripture, not tradition, not uh, confessions, not, you know, um, anything other than the Bible. So please don't think that we're wanting to add to the Word of God. What the idea is of the catechism is, and the and the confession, is that it distills what the Bible says and helps us to boil things down to some simple statements that we can live by. Okay, so I hope that's clear. Now, one of the important things about this, when we are ordained as elders, when Elder Andy Cusel was ordained and when I was ordained uh, as elders in the Covenant Presbyterian Church, the CPC, we were uh, supposed to read the standards and we were supposed to say was there anything in the standards that we wanted to take an exception to? There are things in the standards that are not considered central core issues that everyone has to abide by uh, because the standards go further than the Bible. Sometimes they restrict us more than the Bible has restricted us. Sometimes people feel that they misinterpret what the Bible says. Obviously, it's not a perfect document, but it's a really, really good one. Uh, Among those things that Christians uh, and Reformed people disagree on, there's a whole list of things that are what we are considered to be allowable exceptions that we make. But when we become elders, we're asked, do we have any? And so some of the common ones that are allowable, ones that I would take exception to, uh, one of the first one is uh, the confession says that the Pope is the Antichrist as in the Antichrist mentioned in the book of Revelation. Now, I believe he is Antichrist with a small a in that the Pope is against Christ. The whole denomination of the Catholic Church says, unless you believe X, Y, Z, which we don't believe, that you're anathema, that you're outside of Christ. Or if you believe that you are saved by faith through grace alone, you are anathema. So as a result, we we don't really like what the Catholic Church stands for, and they are really considered to be outside the Christian faith, which actually comes into play at other parts of the catechism. Uh, we're not allowed to marry unbelievers, and they, in the catechism, would say, or in the standards would say, you're not allowed to marry an unbeliever. They would consider a Catholic an unbeliever. See what I mean? So I would say that the Pope is not the Antichrist, and so I would take an exception to that because I have a different view of the interpretation of scriptures of the Revelation, book of Revelation, and so that's allowable to have that different differing view. Another of the differing views that, uh, in fact, our, most of the men in our denomination take is it says that communion can only be served to children who are old enough 
to examine themselves before they take communion. So that would make our church a pedo communion church and would actually put us at odds with the Westminster standards. Um, this is, for our denomination, an allowable exception, and so we take exception to that um, that explanation in the standards of who should and should not be allowed to participate in communion. There's another one in there uh, that basically says that you can only sing songs that are from the Psalms or are actual Psalms from the Bible. This doctrine is called exclusive psalmody. So songs that we sing like, He brought me out of the miry clay and, you know, other, you know, for all the saints who from their labors rest, which actually I was singing today out. We actually, me and uh, Andrea and Kyle went out to um, Kirsten's grave today. And uh, we saw that was Andy has and the family there have some some pretty things on it for this time of year. There's a beautiful bow out there, but I wanted uh, Kyle to see where we had laid Kirsten to rest and show him the beautiful stone that Andy had placed there. But so anyway, so um, so we went out there, and uh, and that's what we did. Now. The exclusive psalmody, so we're out there, we're singing a song, and it's for all the saints. That's actually what, what, what see, this is the random nature of your pastor's mind. So, uh, But I, I, I thought telling you that might benefit. You might lift your heart today and maybe even remind you of Sunday's sermon about joy. Um, so I take an exception, and uh, a lot of others do, and we don't just sing only psalms. So we're not exclusively uh psalmody in our music. Um, So these are exceptions. Now, among these exceptions, and the reason I'm mentioning the exceptions is because there is a common exception uh, to two things, actually. One I hadn't actually thought about talking about until just now, but I will. I'll mention it quickly as I move on. One is that in the section that tells us uh, about how we obey the command not to, you know, to have any other gods uh, other than God himself, uh, there is a distinction that what we're not supposed to do is ever make an image of God, and they get into a uh, very detailed description of what that means. Some people take exception to uh, this because they believe, and it's actually a position I hold, uh, and believe that, you know, a, a person could make a movie a person could do a piece of stained glass or a person could, you know, have a nativity scene because in it is a little tiny baby Jesus in the nativity scene. Um, some people would feel that that was, being, that was a violation of the command, um, but there is some debate about that. So some people take an exception there. I would uh, take an exception there. Others might not. But anyhow, so one of the exceptions that, uh, I would take the, and kind of gets us to the whole point of what we're talking about right now is in the uh, the the wording of the question. It basically says that on the Sabbath, that you know, and I agree with pretty much everything it says on the stand in the standards. But I think the standards go too far, and I think they add to the Word of God in a way that unnecessarily binds the conscience of some people. 
uh, and keeps them from being able to really have a joyful day on the Sabbath. God made the Sabbath to be a delight for us. But the word recreation is in there. And it and it and it's not that it just sounds like it, it actually is. Um the idea of the catechism when it says that we're breaking the command, it says if we do any recreation at all. The Westminster Divines had they held to a a view called uh we would now call the Puritan view of the Sabbath and we, uh, that is the, the session of Foundation Church and the CPC denomination, for the most part, I think there may be one or two folks who may differ on this opinion, um, would consider themselves continental. So that means we would allow for there to be recreation on the Sabbath, things that we could do that were not expressly just singing psalms, reading the Bible, uh, talking about the sermon. There are things we're allowed to do other than that. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit here in a minute. But I just want to say a few basic things. I'm not wanting to talk for the next three hours, but we, we definitely could. We could go through a great deal of Scripture. We could, you know. But what I'm hoping to do is get you thinking about it, uh, have you looking into God's Word about it, and I really hope this stirs you up so that you can, you know, own this for yourself and say, why do I do what I do on the Sabbath, or why don't I do this on the Sabbath? And think about it, and look to God's Word, and look to the leadership of your church, and look to the Westminster Standards. So when you look at the standards, you know, um, it is possible that you could come to the view that you don't want to do any recreation on the Sabbath because you want to follow the standards. Um, And that's fine if you would like to do that, just as long as you don't try to make everyone in the church do exactly what you do and make everybody feel bad that we're not doing what you do. Don't do that. That would cause division. And really, it would be, um, you know, bringing out something and making it more than it needs to be. The Bible certainly does not tell us that we cannot uh, do joyful and recreational type things on the Sabbath. It does not say that directly. Um, There is a passage, and we'll get to that, actually in uh, Isaiah 58, that can uh, be interpreted to as as though that is a proper thing to say that we can't do on the Sabbath, to do recreation and things that are pleasurable to us. But I really believe the whole counsel of God and all of the Scripture um, is consistent with the fact that if that is what that passage means in Isaiah 58, then it is adding in what was never so uh, before in the Scripture and is not said so to be later on. So we don't when, when something when you see a Scripture that changes the entire biblical picture, uh, and and you got to look at it. One of the things I used to tell our church, and I believe it's as true then as I do now, is that if it's not in all of the Bible, it's not in the Bible at all. So if you're reading something and you think you're understanding it and it just changes everything in the old and everything in the new that the Bible says about a certain subject, you're missing it. Years ago, people got this idea even about the book of James because it made it sound like basically we're being saved by our works. Well, if you just read James only and you didn't read the rest of the Bible, you could think maybe it was saying that. But we don't believe Bible. the Bible contradicts itself in any way. Uh, and so we have to read James in the light of all the scriptures 
And so anyway, with the same subject, this is what we got to do. So I'm just going to say some basic things and uh, kind of walk us through this. And hopefully this will get your mind on it and it'll give you some scriptures to start looking at. And then please feel free to get a hold of Andy or me. We've talked about this and we are um, really lockstep on this. Uh, neither of us hold to the Puritan view of the Sabbath. Uh, we both hold to the continental view of it. And um, that that could change. My view could change or his view could change and that would be acceptable. But for now, here's where we're at. Okay. So first off, the Sabbath, this is an important thing to note. It was instituted by God in Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, as part of the creation week. So you can look that up. If you remember, God rested on the seventh day, uh, and that's when he created the seventh day cycle of a week. You know, work six days, rest one. Okay, And remember, this was thousands of years uh, before the law of God was delivered to Moses. Okay, Here's what it says in Genesis 2, 3. And God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because that in it he rested from all his work which he which God created and made. Okay? So now many, many years go by, and I believe in, in a wholeheartedly that God's people would have known to keep the Sabbath. You know, Adam lived for uh nearly a thousand years, and throughout his life he was he had heard directly from God what to do on this day, and so he's telling people for all this time. And his descendants would have, uh, they would have continued to celebrate this uh, Sabbath rest as well. Uh, But when we get all the way into Israel becoming a nation, Moses delivering them, bringing them out, and God delivering the law on Mount Sinai, he delivers, and you can read this in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and God is delivering the law to them. And as you remember, God delivers the Decalogue, or what we call the Ten Commandments. And in it, here's what he says in um, Deuteronomy 5.12. This is what we call the Fourth Commandment. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. So keep it. But how do we keep it? We keep it as the Lord has commanded. Okay. Uh, Some people say, oh, I keep it. Well, how do you keep it? I keep it how I want to keep it. Well, that's not what we're supposed to do. Keep the Sabbath. Sanctify it. That word's going to come in handy. Sanctify. What's that mean? Set apart. Okay? Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it. Okay? Keep the Sabbath. Set that day apart. Make it different. As the Lord thy God has commanded thee. So here's how. Six days shall you labor, verse 13, and do all thy work. Okay? So just one verse. Bam. Six days labor. That's when you work, fourteen verse 14. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord thy God. In it shalt thou do no work of any kind, not you, your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your ox, your ass, nor any of your cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates, within thy gates uh, that thy manservant, thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. So that's pretty... You know, he can just say no one. He really defined what no one meant, mentioning every single person. Okay, he, I think he knows our hearts. What we would do is have them do the work so we, we could rest. But God wanted it to be plain that no work was to be done on this day. Verse 15, remember you were a servant in the land of Egypt and that the Lord thy God brought thee out through his mighty hand and stretched out his arm. Therefore, 
the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So it's not ambiguous. This is very important, okay? So the main thrust of what we read here is that we are to sanctify or set it apart as a special and a different day. That's what that's what sanctify means, to be set apart to God. If I were going to sanctify, if I had 10 cows and I was going to sanctify one of them, I'd make one of those only for God, okay? And I, I would... Uh, set it apart for, you know, maybe put it in a different pasture. Uh, you know, I would treat it different. I might feed it different. I don't know what I would do to set it apart, but something would have to be very different about that cow. Maybe I'm setting it apart because I'm going to give it to the Lord. You know, maybe I'm living in the Old Testament and I want to offer it to as a sacrifice. Maybe I'm, you know, living now and I want to sanctify that cow. I say, this is God's cow. So I put it out there and I feed it different, treat it different. And then when I slaughter it, I offer every dollar of the, that money to the Lord. I would be sanctifying that cow, setting that cow apart for God. So so this is a sanctifying, a setting apart. That's what God is saying that we should do to this day. It should be different, separate, and in this case, it would be separate to God. Okay. So he tells them how to do it. So we are to set, set it apart as God wants us to do it, right? So how does he tell us to do it? Don't work on this day. Don't have your children work on this day. Don't have your servants work on this day. Don't even have your animals work on this day. That's pretty pretty serious. God has given you six other days of the work uh, to work, but not this day. Okay. So when we get to question sixty of the Westminster, here's where this wording comes up that really is bringing about this discussion. Um, and so, how question sixty? How is the Sabbath day to be sanctified? So what he says it here, or what the divines say, the answer is the Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day. Now, I'm in 100% agreement. That's exactly what the Bible says. Then there's a comma. Even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days. So whatever work or recreation you do on other days, don't do it. All right? Now, so this is kind of... Well, it's. It is definitely added from the Ten Commandments, but why did they do it? And and we'll get into why they added that, why they believed that this was necessary. Uh, and it says, even from such worldly employments as recreations as are lawful on other days, and spending the whole time in public and private exercises of God's worship, except so much as to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy. So here's also some things that are added these things of necessity and mercy. We don't read about that in the Ten Commandments. It doesn't say anything about it. But we know where they get those things from. So first off, I would like to say this word recreations or the ideas that we aren't to do recreations. The only biblical foundation for that is going to have to be Isaiah 58. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Uses the term pleasure. And it says we are to... uh, not do our pleasure on that day, but we're to do God's pleasure on that day. Okay? So this is where the word recreation makes its way into question 60. How is the Sabbath to be sanctified? That means we don't do our pleasure. We don't do recreations. We don't play sports. We don't play cards. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. We just, you know, uh, take pleasure in God, of course, by reading and praying and talking about God, talking about the message, singing scriptures, that kind of thing. But don't do, you know, 
Don't uh, watch a movie with your family. Uh, you know, don't sit around and play, you know, a Pictionary or even, you know, maybe Bible Pictionary might be allowed. But I, I even think that might not be. Elsie Densmore, uh, she, she is a Puritan in her view of the Sabbath. And so as a result, it causes some interesting things to happen to her. But those are her convictions. And the Bible says that which is not a faith is sin. So when a person has this conviction, you can't just look at them and, and laugh at them and say, well, I, you know, I'm doing it this way and you should too. If they believe it's a sin, you should not encourage people at all to do these things because they're sinning. Even though it's not a sin, I don't believe the Bible teaches it's a sin to do it. If they felt like it was a sin and did it, it would be a sin. Okay. So in question 60, the teaching points uh, that Andy sent out was the question of exactly how we should do this, observe the Sabbath is debated within Reformed Presbyterianism. And I covered this part. Two most prominent are the continental and Puritan views. We at Foundation Church and most of the denomination does not hold to the Puritan view. Um, but the Puritan view is consistent, though, with the Westminster Standard. So this is why... Uh, most of us take an exception to it. We do not believe that this addition of recreation is a proper addition to what we should be prohibited to do. The Continental View says work is prohibited, of course, um, but recreation is allowable after worship. And sometimes that has to be said because there are people that would say, oh, it's allowed, I'm going to play football, or I'm going to watch the Super Bowl instead of come to church. That's not, please don't get that idea. Uh, but the continental view is at odds with the Westminster Standard, so just understand that. We hold to a view that is uh, contrary to the catechism. So if your children are memorizing this catechism answer, maybe you want to take the word and the phraseology out about recreation so they're not confused. They have an answer they're giving. It's as though the church is teaching them that this is the position they have to hold. I would prefer my family not to learn those those answers to those questions is not a view I think is the most biblically accurate. Uh, Dr. Sproul, who, you know, God blessed the church with, but now has gone on to his reward, has a, uh, you can look up at ligonier.org under the articles and you can look up defining debate. And there's a, uh, a section about, um, about the catechism. Andy sent a link to that when he sent out uh, his things on the, on the standards um, questions. So one of the things Andy pointed out, and I thought it was good that he put it in here, but I think it also really uh, could lead us to some wrong thinking. Not not that Andy was leading us to wrong thinking. Andy was inspired, as I am. I'm, I read this Puritan pastor, Thomas Vincent, and honestly, it made me winsome, and it made me say, oh, I want to so much so honor the Lord in the observation of the Sabbath. I want to honor God. I mean, if that meant I never played any game and that we just read the Bible and, and just sang song, that if that's what God wanted me to do, I'd do it. Uh, this is not a, hey, I want to have fun on this day and this position lets me do it. I want to do what God wants me to do. And I really believe that not only uh, you know, is this a good alternative I believe it's it's better. I believe it's more accurate. I believe it's more God-honoring to have recreation 
and fun and fellowship and games and enjoyment. I believe that is the spirit of the Sabbath. And if you read all throughout Scripture, Sabbath is a feast. It's a celebration. It is a joyful, joyful thing. And I could imagine if people were terrified about what they were thinking and talking about and they were worried about every little thing, it could really take a lot of joy out of it. I mean, you know, you could talk to people, but you'd always have to be on guard. Wait a minute, did I just stray off of the message too far? And, you know, I could I could just see that really driving people crazy. You'll see that uh, Jesus, he went out to people's homes and had meals uh, after being in the in the house of worship. And uh, this was his practice. And so he observed these feasting times and these fellowship times, and many wonderful things happened during them as we've been covering them in the life of Christ. So let me read here Thomas Vincent's thing that should inspire us, but let me show you where I think maybe, uh, well, I, I absolutely think he went too far, and I think we should just note it. And, and be inspired by the beauty that you hear and the heart that I really feel is coming from the guy. But, 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 but be discerning here as well. So what are we to do on the Sabbath after the public worship of exercises are over? The question, the answer, after the public exercises of, of God's worship are over, the work of the Sabbath is not over. But we, and now this is where it goes here, we must retire to our own families. So, uh, you know, we have to leave and we can't be with other families? I don't think so. We must not seek our pleasure in the fields or in vain company. Now, I don't think we should spend a lot of time in vain company. There are times we're going to be. In fact, Jesus did spend time in vain company on the Sabbath. So he was with, you know, the Pharisees, and he was with people that, you know, were making fun of the things he was talking about, who were diametrically opposed to what he was doing on the Sabbath, and he was even rebuking them on the Sabbath in their company. And some might say, well, he could do that, but we can't. When when a man says we must retire to our own families and that we must not do this or that, he's adding to what the Bible teaches. And this is really a slippery slope, okay? Uh, if you go down, repeat over what we've heard, that's a wonderful thing to do. Catechize and instruct our children, that would be great. Sing psalms, pray with our families while we moderately make use of any creature refreshment, you know, you know, don't don't enjoy too much food. You know, this right here is Gnosticism uh, creeping in. This is not, you know, we just, we've got to, you know, at least it sounds like it. That may not have even been his heart. He may have just been saying, you know, don't be a glutton. So I don't, I'm, I'm not wanting to judge this man's heart. But what I'm not wanting to do is also is to bind our conscience where they shouldn't be. So when you get to this next part where it says, we must discourse of the things of God. You know, I, I just don't think of it that way. It's like, you know, it's saying on your honeymoon, you know, uh, you must, you know, kiss your wife. You know, I mean, of course we want to talk about the things of God. But to tell us we have to is just, I just, I just think it's, it's, it, it, it's making a drudgery what could be a beautiful, lovely thing. So these things, these musts that he throws in here. Now, he he says we ought also to take time. So I, I'm glad he moves to ought. We ought to take time in the evening to retire in secret to examine our hearts. This is beautiful. We want our hearts before the Lord in the day to, to lay, that we should meditate in God's word, that it be wrought more thoroughly upon our hearts. Man, this is beautiful. 
endeavor to pour our hearts before God? Shouldn't we do that for sure? Humbly confessing our sins, earnestly and believingly requesting his pardon. And he goes on, and these things are beautiful. None of this is not beautiful, but 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 he does go too far here, and I, I think can give us the idea that you know it's wrong to enjoy each other and enjoy the gifts of God on that day as somehow pleasure is a sin. That's a Gnostic idea. The Bible says, at the right hand of God are pleasures forevermore. We should love the food we eat and the desserts that are brought at the meal on Sunday. We should enjoy the punch and you know whatever drinks. In fact, Isaiah even says, this is the time to drink the sweet drinks and to 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 eat the tasty meats and and uh and I'll I'll make reference to that here in a little bit. In fact, I'll read it to to you. Um you know, question 61, what is forbidden in the fourth commandment? Here we go again. The fourth commandment forbids the omission of or careless performance of the duty required. Of course, now I'm in agreement with there. The profaning of the day in idleness though, I think the heart of that I understand. But what is rest if it is not idleness? Uh, and maybe idleness here just has a bad connotation, as in you're twiddling your thumbs. Maybe one of you guys have those fidget spinners or something. But I, I think resting, taking a Sunday nap, I don't think you know we have to just be drilling our children and you know having two-hour and three-hour discussions about the thing and we about the Bible, about the sermon, and, and being hot debate and making our children repeat scriptures back and forth. I think this would be a way to make our children hate the Sabbath day. Not that we shouldn't love the Word of God, not that we shouldn't hide it in our hearts, not that we shouldn't love the preaching that came forth and all of that. We should absolutely, but I think that I think this is just uh, bad things creeping in here. I think it's really what really made the Puritan movement really die. So uh, he says in here, uh, we should not do what in itself is sinful, of course. We should never do that, much less on the Sabbath, of course. Or by our unnecessary thoughts. Now he's getting into what we're thinking about that aren't necessary. Words and works about worldly employments or recreations. Okay, so here we have the word recreations again. Okay, now Andy's teaching points were perfect. Um, and these are what we can all agree on. Don't work on the Sabbath. Okay, don't miss church on the Sabbath. Um, I was even reading in one of these things, uh, you know, it's not time to not pay attention to the service and, and to just be chitter chatting in the back with someone or sleeping during the service. Don't do that. Okay. God is speaking. You should be listening. So we break the fourth commandment when we forsake the assembling, when we omit worshiping God and our families, when we are distracted or unwashful during worship, you know, it's not the time to make out your grocery list. Uh, do that another day. You know, it's not the time to remember all those 10 things you need to do. Forget about them. Don't be worrying about and thinking about, oh, at work tomorrow or, you know, at school tomorrow, there's a big test or whatever. And, you know, basically another sin that Andy lists here is feeling that the Sabbath is a burden. God made it for us to be a blessing and a delight, not a burden. So when we think of it as a burden, oh, you know, God's making me do this, and you, your drudgery, you're creating your own sense of of dread in it all. That's not what we want to do either. I think you could be creating a sense of drudgery in the whole thing, 
in nitpicking every thought and action and worrying and judging if they're really holy and spiritual and creating a Gnostic environment where you're terrified. I think God just said what his word is plain. Enjoy him, enjoy his people, love his word, and don't worry about making money. Don't worry about all the things you normally worry about. I really believe that's what the whole full-orbed picture of Scripture teaches. Okay, Sabbath observance is central to the faith, though. Okay, instituted at creation, part of the Ten Commandments, continued by our Lord and his apostles. Jesus honored the Sabbath. He was always in the house of God. He and and he took the opportunity in the house of God over and again to show them where they were violating it. He took his time as he left and walked from the house of God. Remember, we've been learning about this. It, he, he's, he goes to eat at a man's house, and there's a man there who needs healed. Jesus knows what's in their heart. He brings up several things. He's like, which one of you, having a an, one of your beasts fall in a ditch, wouldn't go and help him out? This is where we get and and is properly added to the to the answer portion of the how do we obey how do we observe properly uh the sabbath that we can do so in works of necessity and mercy and so pulling a a mule out of a ditch or you know your cow gets stuck out in the fence and he's got barbed wire or your goat's got his head stuck through a cattle panel or even like Andy one day I, we were one sunday we were coming to their house and uh, we had, I saw him out in his yard picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and it reminded me of the time God killed somebody. God had them stone the man to death. If you notice, this never happens again in Scripture. And it was there was never a death penalty for Sabbath breakers in the law. But this time, because God had instituted the law, he wanted that us to know how serious it was for us to obey this command that this man picking up sticks on the Sabbath was killed, okay? Now, I saw Andy picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and uh, I had an idea of why he was doing it, so I thought it was a perfect, perfect example. So I go over there, and I'm like, Andy, are you picking up sticks on the Sabbath? And he just kind of smiled at me and kept picking up sticks and looked up at me, and I'm standing over in the yard, and I'm just thinking of the, the whole irony of the situation. We'd actually just talked about this in church, about how this man had been killed, for picking up sticks on the Sabbath right after the law was given. So um, he holds up one of the sticks to me and shows me this three to four inch long uh, hawthorn, uh, you know, branch, these big needles. And he said, yeah, the kids of the church are getting ready to come over and play in, in the yard. And a lot of them go barefooted or even this will even go through a tennis shoe. So I'm just wanting to make sure none of them you know, end up in the hospital or get hurt today. So what was that? It was an act of mercy. Uh, and he's loving and helping uh, the, the the little ones because there's so many little ones, you know, at the church. And so his intention wasn't to try to get ahead or work or he didn't want a meticulous yard that, you know, uh, had no spot or wrinkle in it, you know, on this day. And so he ran home real quick and, you know, tried to make everything look perfect. Uh, that would be for other days of the week. Okay. So the Sabbath is critical. It's important. Um, When you're reading about it, you can read about it in Leviticus 23. God is instituting a multitude of Sabbaths. Some of these are week-long Sabbath periods. Uh, They were the feasts uh, that are talked about, you know, the the mandatory feasts of God. And 
uh, people would go, you know, some of them, they would go to Jerusalem and what would they do? And they're, they're eating and they're feasting. And you can read all about this in Leviticus 23. It is a time to eat and feast and enjoy and spend time with the people of God. And you can see this picture quite clearly in Leviticus 23. Now, many times Israel was called to repent. And it seems to me that every time they were called to repent, one of the main things they were having to be called to repentance to was adhering to the Sabbath. And I really think that this is a big sin of America right now. You know, my family, we drive through the cornfields on the way to church, and and my heart always hurts when I drive and see our farmers plowing and harvesting on the Lord's Day. My heart's hurting for them and our land, and it reminds me that we you know, we're far from God and we need to repent. You know, I want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth, you know, as it is in heaven. So I prayed that God would just quicken it to their hearts to to forsake that. The Sabbath is for everybody to observe, not just uh, the, the people in the church. It's for the whole world. Um, the Sabbath is like tithing when we do it, okay? We do it by faith. It's a statement saying that God can provide all we need in six days and I can live off of 90% of what I make. I can live off what I work in six days. God provides for me. And so uh, it is by faith that I do this. So one of the passages I wanted to read to you was Nehemiah chapter 8, uh, starting out in verse 10. This is part of Israel's call to repentance here in Nehemiah. They're, you know, they're gum- coming to... Uh, rebuild the walls, rebuild Jerusalem, reinstitute worship, and God is, you know, these things are happening, and now what's going to happen is they're going to reinstitute the Sabbath because they've been in captivity, and they didn't have a city, and they didn't have a place of worship, and so here he is. So Isaiah, or or, I apologize, uh, Nehemiah 8, um, he's saying, this day, is verse 9, this day is holy to the Lord your God. And he, he he says something interesting, and I, I can't get into a deep exegetical discussion of this or we'll go over a long time, but he says, Mourn not on this day, do not weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. He was saying, I don't even want you to weep because you haven't been observing the Sabbath. I want you to enjoy this day. This isn't the day to weep and cry. This is the day to have joy. So he's telling them about the Sabbath, and they were weeping, and they're like, you know, what they were saying in their heart is, oh, you know, we haven't been observing the Sabbath, and we are wrong, and we're sinful. And he's like, I want you to take a break from that on this day, and I don't want you to weep and cry. Weep and cry six days, but not on this day. It's going to be a holy day to the Lord. I think that's pretty cool. So they wept when they heard the law. Verse 10, he said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, you know, a lot of people, they love the joy of the Lord is a strength. They love the song. They have no idea that the joy of the Lord is our strength comes from this repairing, this repenting, this observing of the Sabbath. So it's a beautiful thing. I would also take us to Isaiah 58, and I want to go to Isaiah 58 for the beauty that is here, but I'm also going to show you where I think that people have misunderstood this, and then I'm going to say a few words about 
um, Christ, and then I'm just going to be done. So I hope this this little short time that we spent together here talking about this subject has been, uh, you know, will get the spark going in your mind and in your heart, and maybe you'll take another look at this as families, as heads of households, uh, and and you'll you'll look at it and you'll be able to enjoy it and observe it with a beauty and a vigor, maybe that you haven't. Isaiah 58, once again, another time of repentance, another time of restoration, and Isaiah the prophet is preaching to them, and God is speaking to them through him, and he's telling them all the different things that he's going to do. So in Isaiah 58, 13, he says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, call it a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thy own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I would call that just a beautiful, beautiful invitation to the Sabbath. Now, what happened here is when the statement is used here, turn away from doing your pleasure on my holy day, okay? The pleasure, though, has been, I believe, misinterpreted and misunderstood to think that we can't do what we want to do. I I would think that our pleasure would be to worship the Lord, to sing his songs. I, I can't think of anything I like to do more than that on any day. But what is being said here is that we should not do um, what we want, but what God wants. And what man wants, what man's flesh wants, is man wants to to have, uh, he wants to have all seven days. (laughs) He wants to not have a Sabbath. He wants to work and work and work. You know, hard work is virtuous, but hard work ignoring the Sabbath is ungodly. So teach your children to work hard six days. Teach them to rest well one day. And so your teaching on work, you know, you might, well, we just, we love work. We love to teach about work. We want our kids to work. And that's great. They should. But what what we also have got to teach them is we got to teach them to rest. Resting is something. Resting is not being lazy. And I think this is the thing that people get in their head. It's like it's being lazy. Well, if you feel that way, that it's being lazy, not working, you may end up never spending any time with your family. You may feel like the recreation time you spend with them, you know, maybe you only do that, you know, on, on uh, you know, special days a few times a year. Uh, I would pray, uh, you know, that that wasn't the case. So teach your kids to be hardworking. But, you know, I don't know if, if any of you remember that song, The Cats in the Cradle. Uh Cats in the cradle and the silver man, or silver. Anyway, I can't. I don't. I can't remember the words of the song. We'll get together then, Dad. You know, I remember going to hear Ricky Skaggs sing, and he basically explained that he's quit the music industry and he basically only does what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is he wants to really preach Christ and spend a whole less, a lot less time singing. Uh, out in public and doing shows, and he was explaining that that he became a workaholic, 
and uh, didn't do what he should with his family, and I'm sure he didn't do what he I'm sure he didn't do what he should have done with his church either. And that song "Cats in the Cradle" uh, is a song about a man who got so he was working so hard to be such a great dad that he ended up not being a dad. And this is what we do. We're like, you know, we love our kids so much. We want them to have everything. Well, one of the things that they need to have is you, Dad. Uh, What they need to have more than they need you, Dad, is they need God. They need Christ. They need rest. So teaching them rest and, and, uh, and giving them rest and giving yourself rest, it's a delight for you to do that. It should be a delight. And it should be something that is ingrained in our kids as much as their work ethic. Teach their work ethic. Teach them that a work ethic is a six-day work ethic and that they don't work on a seventh day. That's what a real biblical worldview is on work. Work hard six days. On the seventh, we rest. And then have a whole other thing on rest and teach them how to rest. Teach them how to think. Uh, Sanctify that day. How to set it apart. How to make it special. Make it special for your family. So that's what I would have to say. You know, Jesus uh, said, hey, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. In fact, if anybody comes and says that, you know, I've come to abolish it or, you know, he said heaven and earth is going to pass away, but not one bit of this law is going to pass away. And, And so this is pretty serious stuff. We must obey God's word. Uh, and we should obey God's word, and it should be our delight. So as you're looking at God's word and you're asking yourself, how do we do it? Just look what Jesus did. Jesus spent time. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went and um, he did acts of mercy. He did acts of necessity. Uh, he spent time in, in feasting and talking and, and talking about the scripture and all that stuff. So this is what Christ did. It's what we should do. And, and let's be careful not to feel that we're being more spiritual when we don't do these things. And let's find also not saying, well, hey, I'm not bound by the law anymore. And, and Jesus came and, and, and we don't have to obey the Sabbath anymore. Um, Jesus is the rest. And so when he says that, he's not saying not to rest. He's saying he is the rest. We should know more about enjoying him because of what we do on the Sabbath. So I would encourage all of you, look into the Word, uh, read these questions, You know, make sure as if your kids are memorizing them that the words that they're saying are words you want them to know. You really want that to be their answer, or do you maybe need to change some of those, or maybe even skip the question. I think changing them would be sufficient. Uh, I think it's a great question, one we should be asking ourselves. But what we don't want to do, and Calvin was always big on this, don't bind the consciences of other people unnecessarily because once they believe it's a sin, they can't do it anymore. Um, A little funny aside, there was that woman who came to visit our church um, after our church was over. She was all set to come in the building and, and maybe even come to our church until she saw our tables out. And she said, well... Uh, I couldn't do that. I could never eat in a church, you know, because I'm a Christian. Christians don't eat in churches. So somewhere along the line, that got in her mind that it was somehow sinful and could never happen. Her conscience has been bound 
unnecessarily by somebody. I don't know, you know, uh, but somewhere along the line that got lodged in her mind and maybe our church might be a great place for her, but she probably won't know because of course we're not Christians because we don't eat somewhere else other than in our church building. (laughs) I did tell her she didn't have to eat in the building, but anyway, I don't want to focus on that too much, but, um, May the Lord be with you, Montgomery's. My heart's already aching for you and missing you, knowing that you're in your final weeks. We've been praying for you uh, and your boy on in his big trip he's taken. We just pray he comes back safe. And, um, you know, may the Lord be with you guys as, as, as you go, you know, over to Japan. I'm praying that maybe I'll get to visit with you there. I don't know if that's going to happen, but wouldn't that be fun? be fun for me. Uh, I don't know how much fun it would be for you. I hope it would be. And I'm hoping to try to keep in touch with you guys uh, by doing these podcasts. And, uh, you know, I'm so thankful for our hardworking church. I was very uh, glad to hear from Michael Elliott that uh, I think he told me that Paul Chapman was his hero. And he may have mentioned some other people, but I remember Paul in particular uh, for coming over there and working hard and um, I didn't check back today, but I think uh, Heath was supposed to be doing some backhoe work um, on uh, Michael's house to help him try to get into that house as soon as possible and uh, into a better, you know, more permanent situation with his family as he's remodeling his new place. So may the Lord be with you. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the good people that you've given uh me to serve and given Andy to serve. And we just pray, Lord, that your heart would, uh, that our hearts, Lord, would be knit together as a church, that would be we would be in unity, that, Lord, as we were thinking about the Sabbath, that we could honor you, Lord, in our practice of it, that we would not develop things in our, our, uh, in our beliefs that would create an environment where we were Gnostic in our thinking, where we stopped making the day a joyful and beautiful delight. But may the Sabbath be a delight for all of us, and may we look to you and and pray that you would fill our hearts with the most wise and excellent way to honor you and set that part for you and make it holy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.